Welcome to Tea with PILPG. I'm Paul Williams, Professor of Law and Director of the JDMA Dual Degree Program at American University's Washington College of Law and School of International Service. I'm also the co-founder, along with Michael Scharf, Dean of Case Western Reserve University School of Law, of the Public International Law and Policy Group, PILPG for short. Today in our series of talks on professional excellence, we will be discussing how to launch a career in international law. We will be doing this while we enjoy a nice cup of classic Earl Grey tea. I'm here today with half a dozen law students from American University, Harvard, Yale, and Michigan. Michael Scharf and I are constantly asked about how to enter the dynamic field of international law. And the first thing that we tell students aspiring to launch a career in international law is that there is no formula for doing so, but there are key things that you can be doing in order to build your platform for launching that career. The most important mindset or mental approach to thinking about launching a career in international law is to remember that it is handcrafted and unique to each individual. Think about launching a career in international law as an art and not as a science. Now my intention today is to introduce you to some of the tools that you can use for crafting the platform on which to launch your career in international law and to answer those questions that inquiring minds want to know. So let's get started. Sophie, you've got a question right off the bat. So to start us out, can you provide a sense of the nature and types of job in international law? That's an excellent question. And that is a question that I get all of the time. Usually when students will ask that question, they'll get the usual half dozen generic answers of where we know that professionals practice international law, the State Department, the UN, etc. Or you'll get the answer of, well, there's really only a few jobs in international law, and so you might want to consider something more, more employable, like tax or intellectual property or something. The reality is, that Michael and I have over 700 alumni who have held jobs in the field of international law. Whenever I go onto LinkedIn and check up what my alumni are doing, I'm always surprised at the amazing and dynamic types of jobs that they have. For instance, one of my alumni is a senior associate in the arbitration practice group at White and Case. Another is an associate in the sovereign representation practice group at Arnold and Porter. Another alumni is the Chief of Staff and Legal Advisor to the United Nations Envoy for the Yemen Peace Process. Another one is the Deputy Prosecutor for the Lebanon Tribunal. One of my alumni is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State with the Global Warming Portfolio at the State Department. Yet another one is the Legal Advisor for Political Military Affairs at the State Department. We have an alumni as an International Trade Attorney at the U.S. Trade Mission in Geneva, and one of ours is a senior legal advisor at the International Federation of the Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies in Geneva. And these are just a handful of the 700 alumni that we have practicing in the field of international law. Fabian. So I'm wondering, what are the types of substantive areas in international law in which alumni practice, and what types of employers hire international lawyers? Well, quite unsurprisingly, there's a vast array of substantive areas in which one can practice international law. Now the old school dichotomy is, well, there's private international law and there's public international law. There are so many individuals with dynamic careers in international law 
that float between private sector practice and public sector practice. Oftentimes people think that it's unique to Washington, D.C., but that's not the case. Just about anywhere where there is a thriving international law practice, there will be a thriving public as well as a private, and almost all of the top individuals at any point in time in the private or in the public sector have been in the other sector earlier in their career. The skills are transferable, the relationships are transferable, and it's that eclectic experience which they, makes these lawyers able to play at the top of their game. The reality is there's essentially a kaleidoscope of different substantive areas. If you're interested in international trade, arbitration, peace negotiations, the rule of law, imposing sanctions or trying to get out of sanctions, the foreign corrupt practices, democracy promotion, war crimes prosecution, war crimes defense, human rights, development, labor, refugees, maritime, environmental law, intellectual property, sovereign representation. If you can imagine a substantive area, you can probably find a job in international law that addresses that substantive area. Coupled with that, there is a vast array of employers of international lawyers. Oftentimes we think about the State Department and law firms and that is true. There's also the Justice Department, the National Security Council, the White House, USAID, Congress, the US Trade Representative, international development firms, nonprofit advocacy organizations, nonprofit human rights organizations, think tanks, UN agencies, the World Bank, international tribunals, and just about every single multinational corporation. Think about it this way. If it's an international entity, it probably has a legal office or a general counsel's office with a group of lawyers practicing international law. And this is why it's important to think about crafting a career in international law as an art and not a science. Most other legal professions or substantive areas, you'll go to a large entity full of lawyers that practice a particular type of law. You'll go to a real estate firm, you'll go to a tax firm. But in the case of international law, it's these entities that are practicing international affairs, international commerce, international trade, and they have a legal office. So the State Department has over 7,000 foreign service officers, but it has 150 lawyers. On Capitol Hill, everyone's a politician, but every foreign affairs or international relations committee or subcommittee has a couple of lawyers. So you're essentially looking in the nooks and crannies for these jobs, these careers in international law. So there's a vast array but then there's a small handful in each of these pockets. And that's why it's fun. It's a little bit like an Easter egg hunt. Jessica, you've got a question. What is the path that I should be pursuing in order to launch a career in international law? There is no path to launching a career in international law. What you need to be doing is building a platform. Other careers in law have very clear paths that you should be pursuing. And so oftentimes, young aspiring lawyers like yourself are told, oh, you have to get on the path for international law, and it's very complex and very complicated. But the reality is there isn't this path, there's a platform. And you use this platform to become qualified for and take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves or that you discover. Now, in terms of building a platform, there are many pieces to your professional platform, and all of which are constructed from your experiences. And it's very important that I use the word experiences and not experience or expertise. Oftentimes, young professionals will try to say, well, how do I develop 
an expertise or how to become experienced in a particular substantive area. You don't. You're law students. You cobble together a series of experiences that give you the skills, the ethos of excellence, help you develop your personal brand, and broaden and deepen your network. And that becomes your platform. Let's look at all of those aspects of your platform briefly. Skills. You must develop skills for your research, your analysis, your written and oral communication, your skill set that you will have as a lawyer, and then you refine that by identifying more precise skills that international lawyers have. And there's a very simple way of doing this. You go onto LinkedIn and you find senior professionals who have the jobs that you'll want someday. Do you want to be the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State with the portfolio of global warming? Do you want to be in the policy planning office giving legal advice on various international trade issues? Do you want to be on the Capitol Hill advising on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on how they approach legislating some of the international affairs that we have to deal with? You also look at 25, 30 job advertisements for mid-career positions that you'll eventually want to be applying for and finding out what they're listing as the skills and the qualifications. And then you build those skills through the various experiences that you have. You also want to develop an ethos of excellence. Look, let's be honest. Practicing international law is a very dynamic and a very exciting career. You'll be doing it for 45 or 50 years. It is one of the most sought-after careers by lawyers. It really is for the best and the brightest. You are the best and the brightest. Develop that ethos of excellence as you're building your platform on which you're going to launch your career in international law. Also find experiences that help you perfect and refine your personal brand. As dynamic young law students, soon to be young lawyers, you'll want to have a personal brand and you'll want to use your experiences to help you refine that personal brand and to give you experience and opportunities for projecting that brand and becoming identified with your personal brand. And then obviously you'll want to deepen and to expand your network. People don't hire you because of your resume. People hire you because somebody else that's their peer or that is their colleague vouches for you and your resume that says and confirms how wonderful you are, how talented you are, how you're an excellent researcher, writer, and oral communicator. The timeline for building your platform is the next five to seven years. It's the remaining time that you have in the law school plus a few years as a young professional. Lisa, you have questions on this? In order to build my platform, what activities should I engage in on campus in order to make myself more competitive for a career in international law? As few as possible. Honestly, you should limit your activities on campus and ensure that they are unique or best in their class. Let's be honest. No one has launched a career in international law from the classroom or from their study carol in the library. What you want to do is identify the unique opportunities that exist at your school that others do not have access to. So if you're at American University, you're going to want to focus on the Lawyering Peace Program which enables students to participate in peace negotiations, drafting post-conflict constitutions. If you're at Case Western, you're going to want to focus on their War Crimes Prosecution Lab, where they help advise prosecuting attorneys on putting war criminals in jail. 
at Harvard. There's the International Development Society, which is essentially an international law practicum supervised by two major global law firms. A number of the schools around this table have dual degree programs, which are unparalleled in excellence to other schools. So find out what at your school is, is unique, that other individuals won't be able to attain that experience and develop skills, ethos, brand, and networking. You also want to go with best in the class. So if you're going to do a moot court, do the Jessup moot court or one of the other moot courts which are seen as the best in the class. Don't do a moot court just to get moot court on your resume. There are so many things to select from at these law schools. Always focus on selecting best in the class. Students always ask about law review. Sure, do law review, but make sure it's the law review or that it's the international law review. Make sure that you're the one organizing the symposium because this allows you to deepen your network to expand your brand. Make sure you write a comment or an article if possible. Or start your own law review or become an editor on a niche law review that will dovetail nicely with your ethos of excellence and your personal brand. Professors. Do not take classes. Take professors. Build relationships with prominent professors by taking their class, participating in on-campus programs they run, and becoming their research assistants. At all of the schools at which you guys are located, there are phenomenal professors. Even if their classes are less than exciting, take them as professors. Writing competitions. Each school has one or two exclusive writing competitions. They also have a dozen other writing competitions. Find out what are the best writing competitions at your school and seek to win those competitions. I'm also frequently asked about bar classes. Life is too short to take bar classes. They are a waste of your precious time that you could be using to build your platform and distinguish yourself. Honestly, if you're at risk of failing the bar, then you ought not to be considering a career in international law. Do amazing dynamic things for the three years you're in law school, and then take a bar review class. You'll learn what you need to learn in those three to four weeks of the bar review class. Spend your three years in law school building up your platform, deepening your network, polishing your brand, and developing an unparalleled skill set. IOT. What activities should I engage in off campus in order to build a platform that makes me more competitive for a career in international law? You should definitely get off campus if you're in Washington, D.C., New York, Boston, or some of the other major cities. You want to spend at least half of your time downtown. There are so many opportunities externing at the United Nations, the State Department, or non-governmental organizations, attending events at think tanks, taking alumni out to coffee, summering at a law firm, attending the ASIL annual meeting, attending the International Bar Association annual meeting. If you're not in one of those schools in a major metropolitan area, get yourself to those major metropolitan areas. Definitely spend the summers in Washington or New York if you're thinking about launching a career in international law, and definitely do a semester externship in one of those major cities so that you can develop the same platforms that the students that you'll be competing with already are developing because of their geographic advantage. Sophie. You often tell me that I should get dirt on my briefcase if I want to launch a career in international law. What does that mean? It means you have to get abroad. You have to spend a summer, a semester, maybe even a year 
interning, or working abroad. Mike Scharf at Case Western, for instance, places students in all of the international criminal tribunals and in over 200 other postings around the globe. That's your competition. Other young professionals, law students, who are interested in launching a career in international law are out there around the globe getting dirt on their briefcases through various internships and externships. It is essentially a requirement now in today's world that young lawyers launching their career in international law are able to talk about their experiences with clients and with institutions and with agencies in foreign countries. Fabian. You have often told me that I should operate as if I have already launched my career in international law. What do you mean by that? Oftentimes, young professionals, law students, will wait to do things that international lawyers do because they're just a student or they're just a young professional. This gives you an incredible advantage if you can start operating as if you have already launched your career in international law. You should definitely join the American Society of International Law. That's the trade association for international lawyers. Nearly every single practicing international lawyer is a member of the American Society of International Law. So if you want to be perceived as an international lawyer, you join the Association of International Lawyers. You attend their annual meetings. You have your business cards. You have your elevator speeches. You're dynamic young professionals. You go to the annual meeting where all of the international lawyers gather once a year, and you network and engage with them as a young international lawyer. The American Society of International Law has a number of special projects, and there's always room for young lawyers and law students on those projects. The American Bar Association has a massive international law section. There's an international bar association, which has an annual meeting. There's young professionals in foreign policy. There are foreign policy associations. There's world affairs councils. You can get mid-career skills by volunteering for and participating in these types of organizations. And they become part of your brand as a young international lawyer and not just as a law student who hopes to someday be an international lawyer. There's also plenty of professional meetings in town where there are opportunities for junior participation. And then there's your LinkedIn profile. Build a profile that reflects your future, not your past. Involve yourselves in activities, organizations, intellectual debates relating to international law and reflect those in your LinkedIn profile. The biggest mistake that young professionals do is their profile is their past. It's their undergraduate activities. It's their undergraduate skills. It's an emphasis on their undergraduate internships. Get out there and start building relationships, internships, skills, connections in the field of international law and reflect those forward in your LinkedIn profile. Jessica. What are the best planks of a platform in my early years post-law school? Well, you definitely want to keep building your platform early in your career and you want to remove the expectation that you're going to land your dream job right out of law school. The reality is that you're looking at a 40-year-plus career in international law. Don't rush. Build that quality platform. If you're thinking about doing a clerkship at a federal district court 
or a federal circuit court, that fits nicely into your platform. It's not going to be international law related, but it's going to be a federal clerkship. It's going to help you develop your skills for writing, research, and you'll be able to watch others do oral advocacy. There are a tremendous number of law fellowships now at nonprofit organizations. These nonprofits do not have the resources to hire newly minted lawyers, but it's a phenomenal way of getting experience that is normally reserved for mid-career lawyers. There's the Presidential Management Fellowship Program, which is a two-year program. It's essentially the honors program for the U.S. government, the State Department, the Department of Justice, other agencies that have an international law opportunities, hire out of the PMF program. And there's big law. Don't be afraid of going to big law for a number of years and using that as part of your platform, developing your skills, developing your network, creating opportunities, developing relationships, doing pro bono work from big law. So there's lots of things that you can do right out of law school that continue to enhance and contribute to your platform. One thing that you will definitely want to do in terms of your mindset right out of school is embrace the hybridization of law and policy. I have over 36 alumni that are working at the Department of State. Only five of them are working in the Office of Legal Advisor. The other 30 plus are working throughout the State Department doing rule of law, democracy promotion, anti-trafficking, anti-drugs policy, all kinds of foreign policy issues that have a very serious international law aspect as well. So oftentimes young lawyers will say, well, I need to make use of my law degree. Embrace this hybridization of law and policy. You will be making use of your law degree, but more importantly, you'll be building out that platform which will enhance your ability to do exciting and dynamic things for the next 40 years. Lisa. What is your view on the necessity of learning a foreign language? Well, Lisa, this is a question that I frequently get from young professionals. And my answer is that if you are nearly proficient in a language, put all the energy that you can into becoming proficient. It's exceedingly rare that young aspiring international lawyers are proficient in a foreign language. Lots of young lawyers will put on their resume that they have a moderate capability at a language. That's not proficient, and that's not helpful in practicing law in a language. If you are very fluent in languages and you have an ability to learn language quickly, I would also encourage you to become proficient. But dedicating substantial energy to learn a language from scratch is a diversion of your scarce resource of time and energy that you should be spending building other parts of your platform. If you're conversational in French, in Arabic, in Russian, that helps for building attorney-client relationships. But only when you're truly proficient can you then leverage that language. It's important to realize you don't have to be proficient in order to practice international law. Probably 80 to 85 percent of the lawyers out there practicing international law are not proficient in a foreign language. So if you're nearly proficient, it'll give you a substantial competitive advantage. But if you're not, don't worry about it. Maya. What is your take on pursuing a clerkship? If you have the opportunity to pursue a clerkship, you should definitely do it. The skills that you attain in a clerkship are easily transferable to the field of international law. Research, writing, professionalism, a strong work ethic, those are all highly valued 
in the field of international law. Sophie. You mentioned earlier that your network is a key part of your platform. Can you expand on that a little? Well, Sophie, it is your network that fuels the launch of your career in international law. You need to meet and impress people in order to get those exciting jobs in international law. There's a number of PLPG podcasts already out there. The Startup of You, Never Eat Lunch Alone, adding three to five years to professional experience that can walk you through the A to Z of how to build a network. Think of it this way. You need to create two-way relationships with senior professionals, mid-career professionals who will vouch for you and validate your resume. When someone advertises a position in international law and gets 500 resumes, they'll call it down to the 50 who are actually qualified to do that job. And then when they try to decide which of those 50 they're going to interview or which of the six or seven that they interview that they're going to hire, they will call their peers and their colleagues and say, do you know so-and-so? Can you vouch for so-and-so in terms of their skill set, their ethos, their work ethic, and their dynamic network so that they can provide a value for the company? So you build your platform, you build your resume, that gets you into the 50 or gets you into the six that are interviewed, but it really is your network that provides that last degree of validation. It's also how you find out about all these jobs. As we talked about, these jobs are in nooks and crannies, and it's your network that is constantly on the look for opportunities for you as a young professional, or it's your network that is constantly looking for dynamic young professionals like yourself that they can use to fill the positions that are open in their office. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to know more, please follow PILPG on Facebook and Twitter or on our website, PILP.